Welcome to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Education. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there is Howard Tybal. Hello, Howard. Good morning, Pete. Uh, it's been a long time since we podcasted together, and we are coming back with a conversation where we're revisiting a conversation that you introduced in 2015 to our podcast audience. And since then, uh, you've had the opportunity to present extensively on this subject, and you have been learning a lot. We've incorporated new language to the presentation, and I'm curious if we can jump back in and look at what you have learned about influence over the last several years. I love what you wrote here. See, Pete, Pete's, Pete knows how to provoke, and this is this is beautiful. He wrote, as part of this, here's the secret to influencing influencing your staunchest critic. And that's absolutely a big part of this. So this is the uh, one six, two thirds, one six. And we have branded that as an idea. Uh, and it's basically this idea that you've got individuals in any group that fall into different buckets. We posted a short video, a, a sketch video of this concept. It has become the most popular video in our catalog Absolutely. amongst all the podcasts. I mean, this is a this is a concept that is, that is important. It's a very important concept. And you, know, you talk about me being out there presenting this to teams. And what I find overwhelmingly is that people watch this and not only agree with it, they're provoked into realizing they have their energy in the wrong place. They have their energy in a dark place. What does that mean? Yeah. It's natural to want to please everybody, right? Especially if you're in a position of leadership. Likely you got there because you have that bent. But that's false. It, it, and it's a mistake and it's putting your attention in a way that you are not demonstrating leadership if the orientation is, I want to make sure everybody is happy with the decisions I'm going to make or have made. That is never going to happen. And we like to talk that way. That's why we have this image of the bus, right? Because the language is, we want to get everybody on the bus. Right. right. There are going to be people hanging off the bus, and some people are going to fall off the bus, and you have to figure out who do you need to focus on. So the animation and the story is very simply, you've got three camps and two camps are in the minority and one camp's in the majority. The camp we all love talking about is what we call our change agents. These are the people who will do anything uh, uh, to move something forward. As a matter of fact, you are getting in their way. They want to move faster. You know, I think about even in our work, you've been provoking me into doing certain things that I haven't been doing. And I would say you're a certain kind of change agent uh, in our conversations around impact, speaking truth to power. You know, I'm looking at, well, can I do it? Or is this the right time? But the change agent is a critical role. And you have a minority of people that play that role. You have another group that is the majority, and they will go with you on a change effort, but they need to know three things. They need to know why you're doing this to us. You're putting in this new system uh, for procurement. You're changing organizational structure. You're starting a new college. You're closing a college. Why is this happening? Uh, what are the benefits of this change for the institution? And third, how can I be involved? So the core message to the majority of folks is, if you can answer those questions, you will likely get them to go with you. 
And then you have the third group, as I talk about, and this is the group that won't change. Now, here's what's fascinating and how the conversations evolve for me. We have a tendency to put people in groups and think that they're always in that group. So we talk about the resistors. There's no such thing as a resistor. What there is is there's somebody who doesn't like your idea, and in this particular case, they are not going to go with you. Whereas in another circumstance, they will go with you, and they will be your change agent. So it's situational, and too often we stereotype people into a certain kind of role. Well, our assumption is that, you know, the people who are resistors must be sociopathically resisting. They resist everything, right? It's so it's way too easy to generalize that. That's right. All it takes is them to come out against one thing that you do and you end up treating them in this way. They're branded. That's right. So I presented this idea of the majority will go with you. They have a minority of change agents, and you've got a third group that are resistors. And, and I called it one six. One six that will, will be resisting, one six will be your change agents, and two thirds will be people that will go with you. And someone raised their hand and said, that's crazy. There's no way I have one six. They, they did the math, a thousand people. Right. And they said, there's no way I have one six of the people that are resistant. And then I thought, all right, Maybe the distinction here that we need to think about is the difference between people who have difficult styles versus people who are genuinely resistant to that particular change. And that opens something up because I think that's a window into the difference between a person who is showing up around you as cynical versus a person who is showing up around you as skeptical. See, skepticism in the absence of cynicism, seems negative. Or like, oh my God, skepticism is a bad mood. Right. But in the context of cynicism, skepticism is actually somebody who is saying, I need to know more. I've got questions about this. And if you give me some evidence, if you can make some assertions about how this is going to really move the needle, I will go with you. A cynic won't go with you no matter what. Now I say acidic, you can even hear my language. We can label people cynics, but a person who's being cynical about that particular initiative, mm -hmm. this is somebody you need to fundamentally ignore. And there, and there it is. They could be your boss. Now, what does that mean? I mean, yeah. how do you ignore your boss? If, if you're in the cabinet and your president is being cynical or resistant to something you want to do, how do you ignore them? Well, this is the art of getting others to rally around something, to say, you know what, I'm going to find a way to move the needle on this, and I'm not going to disregard your concerns, but you have to know this is important and why it's important. Now, this is particularly hard where we have politics and power and and people shy away from this because they say, well, I, if I can't get the person in power to move with me, how am I going to, or the person who is exhibiting power, how am I going to move the needle? I'm working with a school right now where this is going on on the academic side of the house where there's power that lives in people that are holding on to a certain kind of way of being. And the person who is supposed to be overseeing the group, whose job is to oversee the group and move the needle, is 
trying to figure out how she's going to work with this team to get them as a group to move forward. And the message is you've got to get people, the majority of folks, to go with you. I just want to acknowledge the emotional space, the mood space of the person who's trying to lead change in the face of these sorts of obstacles, right? Because that puts you in a mood of second-guessing your own reality. If you're in a space of trying to lead change and you feel like you're doing the thing that is in the right, that is in the uh, the best interest of the organization, and you run into somebody in a position of authority or a position of perceived authority and they don't go along with you, you start to second guess whether that initiative is really true, right? If, whether your feelings about it are rational. What it does is it puts you in a position to decide if this is important enough important enough for you to keep moving this thing forward. Right. If they don't think that it's important, then maybe it's not. This is the dilemma, right? So your boss says this is not important. You got to say, all right, I'm not going to focus on this. Very often, it's not the boss that's the impediment. It's ourselves. Exactly. Because right. we focus on the vocal minority who are pushing back. It's natural because they're going to speak up. They're going to be louder. The change agents are actually, they're, they're developing the plans. When you have a vocal minority is telling you you're doing something right. If you don't have people speaking out against you, you are not trying to move the needle. You're not doing something big enough to get noticed. And it's often not just a minority. It feels like it's more than minority. You know why? Because you're center group of two-thirds who just need connection, inspiration, understanding, they will not be disloyal to the vocal minority and they will be quiet. Now, let me make a really clear distinction. I think there are some people who are skeptical that really should be brought to the table and we lump them in as resistors and that's a mistake. And when you watch the video, you'll see that there's a difference between people who have a style that is difficult from people who really are saying, I'm not participating in this. I am opting out. And a key message about this opt-out group, I'll call this the one twelfth, is you are never going to convince them that your change is right. And that's a misplaced energy. Your energy should simply be getting your change agents to tell your story well. For example, if you're in an academic institution and you have an initiative that involves faculty and you're on the administrative side, you need to get a faculty partner who has respect of his peers to be representing your story better than you and have them tell the story to the faculty. So that's what I mean by getting your change agents mm -hmm. to tell your story to tell that middle group to pull in the direction of saying, we really want to do this. you got to look at this left group that is both the style and the people who are resisting your idea and distinguish between difficult styles and people that are just opting out because they're not going to do it. And you have to decide, I'm going to put my energy on the change agents, the people who want to go, and I'm going to listen deeply to the skeptical folks. When people see skeptics get won over and they're already willing to go with it, that gives them more confidence the right thing to do. The challenge here is being able to recognize the difference between a cynic 
or someone who's being cynical and someone who's bringing genuine skepticism and wants to see it move forward, that their, that their energy is around not being an obstructionist. Their energy is around, I don't get it yet. Help me understand what this is. I got some problems with it. These people you got to give energy to. Ignore the folks who are not going to go with you. Don't disrespect them. Be willing to listen to them and then have the courage to say, I hear you and we're moving forward. And if you're not in a position of authority to do those things, you got to get people in a position of authority to back you up. The key here is where is your energy going? And this is why we're stressed and we're overtired because we're trying to do something that is not going to bear fruit, which is get people who are never going to go with you on something to be convinced. You've got to get out of convincing and get more into inspiring. I'd like to get to some of the things that you have learned over the last two years as we get close to a close here, and that is all around the the language of of mood. I've already been introducing it because you have indoctrinated me so well. Mm. Uh, how does how does mood play into influence? Yeah, that's fascinating, Pete. Great question. If you think about mood, and I've been talking about mood from my own study and exploration and and working with Gloria Flores and working with Fernando Flores uh, and working in teams. The whole point of looking at mood is if we find ourselves in a mood of resignation, I think we can all agree that possibilities close down for us. Right. So someone who is looking at your initiative and they say something like, we've tried this before. It didn't work then. I love that line. We tried this before. And that's their way of expressing resignation. So so, so as a leader, part of the sensitivity you need to start bringing is recognizing the moods that are present behind the things people say. The assessment, we've tried this before and it didn't work. That is a mood of resignation. And when you're tuned into this, you can begin to see better who you have in what camp. So, for example, I was in an initiative which I was leading, and somebody said that very thing. We've tried this before. And I didn't even argue with them. I said, listen, what it sounds to me like is you're in a mood of resignation. And it, like, caught mm -hmm. them off guard. It's like, oh. You know, it's like they didn't even realize that that mood is orienting them to the entire thing versus somebody who says, I like where you're trying to go, but I still don't see it, right? They're trying to engage. There's, there's a mood of engagement, but there's also a mood of skepticism. So part of this work is recognizing the mood behind the assessments that people are making. It allows you to see the people who are willing to move with you, who are willing to be convinced, who are willing to get on the bus, and those who really are. The mood is the thing that opens and closes possibilities. Not, not the project, not the words that you use. And the other key thing here. Say, say that one more time. I, that, it took me five seconds to actually hear what you just said. Mood is the thing that. It's, it's the mood that you find yourself in or you see in your teams that makes it possible to move things forward, not the words coming out of their mouth. Their words coming out of their mouth 
are in an are an indication of the mood, but you have to start tuning into the mood of individuals and the moods of your teams, the moods of your organization, so that you can speak to those, because the moods that open possibilities actually produce change. So, for example, a mood of resolution, a mood of ambition, a mood of wonder or enthusiasm, people show up differently than if they find themselves in a mood of frustration or anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes a mood of a frustration can lead to open possibilities in that if you could become ambitious as a result of frustration, like I'm done with this already, right? I'm done. I'm moving on, right? I'm frustrated with my job. I'm getting a new job, right? So that mood actually can open possibilities, but it's you have to be tuned into it with your teams so that you can be paying attention to the mood that you're observing, but you're bringing a mood of this is what's possible, this is why, and, and opening possibilities for others. What you want to do is secondary to what is showing up for others. You could be pounding your fist as long as you want to say why this is important. But if you can't reach people in a way where it shifts their sense of what's possible and the people that matter, not everybody, but enough of the people to move it forward, this is why we struggle. And then we kill ourselves even more because we try to convince the naysayers as opposed to recognizing, you know what? I'll let those people go. Here's who I'm going to focus on. So... So here's my recommendation to anybody listening. Watch the video again. You will get something different from this every time. And watch it with others. And say, let's watch this at any point. Let's stop the video. And let's have a conversation about who are our change agents. You know, it's also really interesting, Pete, is I show this to a group. And I ask people to tell me who they are in this model. Are you the change agent for the thing we're here together? Is, is everybody the change agent when they ask that question? Oh, no. no? I, I, I start by saying, raise your hand if you're one of the people I'm calling difficult. <laughs> you have a difficult style, but you want to contribute. Yeah. And, and you know, if one hand goes up, then four others go up. People recognize they can bring a style that's hard for others. Uh, but we show up in these. Yeah. We are we are one of these people. We but it's situational. So you can use this tool and we use this in our coaching uh and our advisory work to help people think about not just who they are, but who they want to influence to help them move the initiative forward. You've got to get out of thinking your job is to make it happen. Your job is to engage others to make it happen. Yes, and Howard, this is it all comes back to the magic of college improv comedy, doesn't it? Yes, and yes, we have done that before. And I have some ideas about how we can do it better now. Language of possibility. Yes, versus yes, but, right? Yes, but. Yes, yes, and this was a great conversation, Howard. I'm so glad we brought this back. Uh, I think it's an important one, especially integrating some of the language, uh, the topics around language and the topics around mood. And and for me, your point about watching this little video again and taking something new out of it, I absolutely got some new things out of it uh, watching it again, and I've seen it a hundred times. Can you tell us one thing? I'm going to put you on the spot here. No, you've already... 
Yeah, you've already got it. I mean, it's for me, it was back to this language you say in the video. Uh, we we're splitting the resistors uh, from the people who just need to be uh, who need to buy in. They need to to be given a reason to care. And yes. that that, you know, now so that's a new insight that, for you. You, th- you hear that differently. No, no, no. For me, it was incorporating the language of mood. I hear it differently uh, as a result of the language of mood. And that was a very powerful thing for me. Got it, uh, got so it. I, I really appreciate that. I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you. And I appreciate you doing this uh, conversation. So yeah, uh, me too. I'm glad we've updated this because yeah. um, this is something that we want to get more people to be utilizing yeah. and 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 becoming more tuned into who are they in the conversation and how they can reorient themselves to help open possibilities for others. It's huge. It's huge. This is perfect. Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. We sure appreciate your time and attention. Head over to Tybalink.com to learn more about our work in education. Subscribe to the show for free. Just click on the blue button. We'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. If you like what you've heard today, please share with a friend or colleague, uh, lots of friends and colleagues who you think might appreciate uh, a new podcast in their library, but particularly this video. Uh, yes. Share it far and wide, uh, and uh, hopefully we'll get some get some folks on the bus. Huh? Get some new folks got- on the bus. Nice. On behalf of Howard Tybel, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybel Education. Mm-hmm.